0: Is this, you Where? <laughs> this is the Rookie Sports Report, hosted by Matthew Frizzell. Four runs off the Detroit Tigers, who are the 10th worst in all of baseball, and Logan Weber. But this man was swallowed whole by a whale. Presented by 96.999.9 and AM 1060, ESPN, The Jock.
1: Everybody, love everybody! Come on! You know, Will Ferrell, I do try to love everybody, but here's one thing I don't like, or love, I should say. This weather. I understand it's like flannel season, like it's, you know, it is November, but we couldn't have had a gradual decline to the, you know, lower 40s or whatever. I woke up this morning and I was freezing.
0: Oh, yeah, that's ideal. It is ideal? Oh, yes. This is my
1: favorite time of year, man. I am uh, a winter person. I'm more of a winter person than a summer person, I'll say that much. I'll say I know you're a winter You're a fall slash winter person because you came in wearing that giant flannel yes, you have sir, on right now.
0: It is flannel season, baby, like you said. But I, I am a huge fan of specifically the winter. I'm a cold weather person. You know, I am one of those people I thoroughly believe that it is easier to put more layers on than take more layers off. I cannot stand. Thank you. I I much prefer going to bed cold. You know, like get in bed and it's and it's sort of cold. You put the blanket on. You know, if you're still cold, throw another blanket on. You're going to be okay. But if you get into that bed with one blanket and you're sweating, it's game over. You're screwed. Mm-hmm. You can take that blanket off and still be hot. It's It's over for you. You're going to wake up like I do every two hours with a literal, you know, sweat outline of your body on the mattress. Like the other nah. night we, you know, my fiance was on me. She's like, Logan, it's cold in here. Can we please turn the heat on? Can we please turn the heat on? So finally I broke down. Fine. Let's turn the heat on. Turn the heat on. I go to bed. You know, I go to bed about 1 a.m. Cause I, you know, up at nine, nine 30 to get show, here to yeah. the studio. Um, So, went to bed at 1 a.m., I woke up at 4, I woke up at 5, and I woke up at 6.30. Sweating. I woke up so bad at one point that I woke up sweating so bad at one point, I had to just like go sit in the living room for like 15 minutes just to let my sweat dry so that I could get back into this bed not lay down on a wet mattress. I was so upset. I turned the heat back off.
1: (laughs) While she was asleep. Yeah, there you go. You just have to like wait for her to go to sleep. I, and I know it's kind of hard to do because you know you're also trying to sleep, but you just need to like wake up at like that two o'clock hour, however, and just be like, look over, see if she's still moving or not. Then just like a ninja, just well here's turn that the sucker off. the thing that we have now is you know because I
0: don't have to be I don't have to be here to the studio until you know eleven ten ten thirty yeah ten forty five eleven o'clock. So I usually get up around nine or ten. Well, with her and what she does, she has to be up at, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning or whatever it is. So she goes to bed at like 10 p.m. I don't go to bed till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. So what I do, I just turn the heat on while she's going to bed. And then when I get ready to go to bed,
1: turn it off. Improvise, adapt, and overcome, my friend. That's what you've mastered that, except for, of course, that one outlier night where you were Instead of a duct tape outline, you had a sweat outline. Yeah, it was not fun. Bad. Yeah, it, I. I yeah.
0: Instead of a, it looked like it looked like some sort of weird, like water outline of a crime scene. It was not great. I didn't like it. Here lies where Logan sweat. Here lies where
1: Logan died of dehydration. Yeah, that's it. That's the <laughs> one. He sweated himself to death. From sweat. Yeah, exactly. No, I like this weather more than hot weather. The thing that I hate though, and I think this kind of contributed to why we missed last week, was because with the change of the weather. Your body and its immune system gets, like, shocked in a yeah. sense, and you get sick. And, dude, I've had this stupid—it's not—there <sighs> it is. It's not as bad as it was back on Saturday, but I still have bad congestion. And, dude, like, I know this is going to sound gross, but every time I blow my nose or I cough up mucus, this this stuff is dark green. And that's not good.
0: I don't—yeah. That, you're right. That is gross. I didn't,
1: ew yeah, sorry, but I mean, like, I, I I I can't get over it. Like, I've taken Mucinex, I've taken uh, Umka, I've taken, like, this over-the-counter Great Value cold medication. I can't get this stuff out of my system. It's upsetting, dude, especially when you're broadcasting. I had to do two games last weekend doing, you know, Willard football, then SBU football in this condition. I couldn't tell you how many times my throat was either sore or just my whole nose mouth area was just congested. Mm. Every now and again I'd call a play then I have to turn off my mic and just go. Yeah. Just do that. Like let, I, let I, one I, out. Yeah. It, ugh Ugh and then yesterday I had so much mucus to where I was spitting it back out and my throat started to hurt. Mm. <sighs> this is tough. It's tough, but you know, like you said, it's the change in the weather. It's the sign of the times. And with this weather, of course, comes the great game of football. 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 I need to find that replacement clip, though. You know the two, yeah, uh, two colored linemen. They like they they were like being bouncers, and they were told they were going to play football. And the guy was like, "Football, football," <laughs> well, and they both said "football" at the same time. But no, uh, yeah, week eight of the NFL season concluded last night in Arrowhead. Chiefs versus Giants. Whoa, the Chiefs did win, but big but. It had to come down to a Harrison Bucker field goal with under 110 left to play in the game. Yeah, I 20 to 17 was the final score. Mahomes didn't look good, but the Giants are just a joke of a franchise and the fact that they won by 3 points to the Giants, can you even consider that a win? I I don't know.
0: I I, I watched this game and as the game was unfolding, you know, the yeah, the Chiefs won the game. You know, you're back to 500 at 4 and 4, but I somehow left the game with more questions than answers. Again, as has been the case all year long. Why is, first of all, why is Dan
1: Sorensen still playing? I saw that meme resurface of him being burnt toast. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I mean, literally, that that goal line
0: play where he allowed Evan Ingram to get outside of him for a touchdown, that is, I mean, really, they teach you that very early on. That is a textbook way that you're supposed to stop the pass. Don't let anything outside of you, especially in a, in the formation and in the play uh, the play concept that the Chiefs were in there, where Willie Gay is sitting in the middle of the field there. And as soon as as soon as the ball was snapped, Willie Gay was in the middle of the field looking directly at Evan Ingram, to make sure if Evan Ingram comes inside, he's not going to be open. You know, Juan Thornhill was sitting in the middle of the middle of the end zone there. So if Ingram runs an in or he runs a slant or a dig route back to the inside of the field, there's guys there that are going to be able to cover that. Don't let anything get outside of you, because you're in a man-to-man in that situation on the goal line. We saw Traverius Ward over there on that left side. He's guarding um, Kenny Galladay. I believe it was Kenny Galladay. Guarding him out there. So you know you're manned up with Evan Ingram. Don't let the man get outside of you. And then you do let him get outside of you, and rather than using your front arm... Right, so he's going, he, he's in the, the south end zone. Okay. So he's facing, you know, he's he breaks outward. So rather than using his right hand, which gives him a, an opportunity to, first of all, get a longer reach towards that football versus his left arm. And then with that, you know, you go at it with your right arm, your front shoulder, your front arm, then with your left arm, you can sort of wrap Evan Ingram up and bring him down where he doesn't get into the end zone. Well, no, you decide to go at it with your left hand, extend your entire body outward, and you miss the play. If you go at it with your right hand, you maybe tip that pass. But even if you don't, with your left arm, you can wrap an ankle or a leg, whatever, and bring him to the ground. Didn't happen. Dan Sorensen got dusted. Not to mention, leave it to Dan Sorensen, I was his first, I think it was for still first quarter. Leave it to Daniel Sorensen to get a pass interference call 40 yards down the field and still let the dude catch the football.
1: <laughs> Did he actually?
0: The guy caught the ball. It was a completed catch, and he got a pass interference thrown on him. Like, wh- what? <laughs> How do you manage to do that? How do you manage to do two things so wrong on the same play? It, it just boggles my mind. It really
1: does. So, yeah. So, I'm looking at this play right now. And, of course, this is a podcast, so people who are listening can't see this, obviously. But I'm looking at it. And, yeah, Ingram just runs like a short kind of... It's not exactly a face. It's sort of like a diagonal out route yeah, towards like the end Yeah, it's a two-yard out route. And looks like Sorensen has a read on it. But, like you said, played it with his inside... Played it with his inside arm. Tried to play with his inside arm. And anybody who's ever
0: played the game of football knows, right, if I'm looking at you, Matt, and I'm facing this direction, and I stick my right arm out, my inside, my outside arm out. It'll cover more of me than the inside arm, yeah. Right, it's longer. It's it's maybe two or three inches longer, you know. And that's that was basically all you needed here, was two or three inches just to make that ball, you know, just to get a hand on it. Make it a little bit more difficult for Ingram to catch that.
1: That was just the easiest pitch and catch of the night. <laughs> look, at, look at Tyron Matthews' reaction, though this is a common occurrence whenever he sees anything that Dan Sorensen covers. So Sorensen, or excuse me, Matthew, of course they're playing like cover one because, you know, right. it is in the end zone, so uh, Matthew is the one deep free safety. So he's playing it towards that side. There's the touchdown catch. <laughs> and yeah, and, and you and see. Elman on his head, and oh my goodness. You see at the beginning
0: of the play, before the ball, right when the ball is snapped, Willie Gay is looking right at Evan Ingram as soon as that ball is snapped. Looked right over there, like, okay, is he coming in? Is he coming inside? No, Stay, keep outside contained. Don't let anything
1: get outside of you in a cover one situation. Here's a better view of it, an overhead angle, and yeah, you can kind of see he's kind of looking towards that direction. And oh my goodness. <laughs> Just, <laughs> watch, watching ugh. the Chiefs' defense is at times a comedy, and un- unfortunately for Chiefs fans, you know it's too much of a comedy to where it's getting tiresome to watch. But there's so many
0: things that are getting tiresome. The penalties are getting tiresome. The Chiefs were penalized 12 times last night, 12, and that's not just on the offense. The de- or on the defense, the offense had a ton of they penalties were justified too. penalties
1: though, right? Or they were rightly called penalties,
0: correct? Yeah, most okay. of them. Yeah, okay, yeah. I think the only one that wasn't rightfully called was one that went against the Giants. On the last drive of the game, on a phantom uh, fa- or a personal foul face mask penalty that it looked like a face mask in real time. I thought it was a face mask, and then they showed the replay, and it was just Travis Kelsey had the ball sort of tucked up underneath his face mask, and so the Giants' middle linebacker grabbed the tip of the football, kind of put his hand in between the face mask and the ball, and just sort of yanked on the
1: football, and so it looked like a face mask, but it wasn't. Hey, I will say this. I do appreciate Travis Kelsey for that one fumble he had in that game because, like I said in the last episode, it was me versus Art Haynes in the final game. It was going to be, uh, oh, my goodness, who's the guy? Not not Ingram. Uh, Shepard. It was Sterling Shepard versus Travis Kelsey to see who would win. And I saw when I woke up in the morning, Sterling Shepard ruled out for you know the for Monday Night Football, and I just rolled my eyes and I think, all right, well. I lost. You know, it's 20 17. I'm sure at some point, Mahomes hooked up with Kelsey for a touchdown score. Looked, looked through the scores, didn't see a Kelsey score. And I, th- I said, you know, what? all right, how much did I really lose by? I won 82 to 78 in my fantasy game. Somehow, someway, in the toilet bowl between me and Art Haynes, <laughs> I won the game. What a win for a team, for a couple of teams that are at the bottom of their leaderboards. But, you know, that's fancy. It is what it is. And yeah, eighty two to seventy eight I win. Also one in my other league as well, though this time by a much more convincing fashion. And more scoring, by the way, as well. Mm. 141 to 119 I won my game in. And I can appreciate I really do think Patrick Mahomes for hooking up with Tyreek Hill plenty of times last night. Of course, Hill had a touchdown catch. Tyreek got me twenty seven ruse. That's even a word. in My game last night. How'd you do in fantasy? Oh, I got obliterated. Ooh, it did not. Nothing went well for me
0: at all. You know, it was it was pretty much game set match when when Dak. It was already pretty much over whenever I found out Dak was out. But it just yeah, Dak didn't play, and I I didn't get a, hot, a lot of help from pretty much anybody else. <laughs> you know, uh, my running backs. I had I I had Alex Collins and Rashad Penny both for the Seahawks. Um, because I just, Josh Jacobs is on a buy. Miles Sanders is now on the IR. So, I just, uh, I wasn't exactly sure what to do. So, those guys got me, like, you know, five points combined. Meanwhile, the guy I was playing against has Cordell Patterson and Joe Mixon, who scored him 46. So, it was, yeah, it was a, DJ Moore only got me 10 points with Amari Cooper getting him 28. Uh, Terry McLaurin got me 6.5 points, while Tyreek Hill got him 27. Noah Fant got me 10 points. I mean, it was just... the My third leading score on my fantasy team this week was my kicker. Greg Joseph got 10 points. That's never a good sign. My defense was my second leading scorer, and uh, Brandon Cooks got me 22.3. Those were the only three guys on my team, only three participants of my team that scored double-digit fantasy points. Sheesh. Yeah, it was not a great look for me. Meanwhile, Justin Fields Justin Fields scored 27 points on my bench, and the Steelers' defense scored me
1: 9.3, also on my bench. Yeah, see, I didn't have any players that like outscored my starters. I, I avoided that fate, except for... Actually, one guy did. I benched DeAndre Swift and put in uh, James Robinson for the Jaguars, and uh, he scored 4.1, while DeAndre Swift scored 8.1. So, I mean... Not much of a difference there, and like I said, it didn't cost me, but I just had one player. Everyone else is either on by, injured, or just, you know, just sucked. Kyler Murray was terrible against Green Bay, and he got me nine points. Mm. Thankfully, I had him benched for Josh Allen, who got me 29. I love talking fantasy, especially when you win. This is a rare instance, Logan, where I've won on both leagues in the same week. For, like, the first time ever. Like, every single week, I'd either lose in one, le- one league and win another every single week. But finally, in week eight... I have won my first set of games. There you go. Maybe it's the comeback of the season. You know who's also looking to come back? The Houston Astros in the World Ew. Series. A. I I say that with less enthusiasm because I don't want the Astros to win. I want the Braves to stop choking. Maybe they can do it tonight. Game six of the World Series is tonight. Like I said, it's back in H-Town at Minute Maid Park. Astros, Braves, Braves had a 3-1 lead, lost in Game 5 a couple nights ago. Now it's 3-2 as the series is back in Houston. Looking at the pitching matchups here, you know. And we kind of talked about it to some extent yesterday, but matchups look like this. Max Fried will go for the Braves, Luis Garcia for the Astros. And I'm going to continue to stand by the statement. Whoever wins Game 6 tonight is probably going to win the World Series. Because obviously for Atlanta, they win, they're done. If you're the Astros... You you force a game seven in which I think Houston is also favored in that matchup. The Astros are a minus one thirty five odds to win it with the t- with the total being eight and a half. How the hell do you get half runs in Major League Baseball? That's just betters. That's just uh, how I don't. Works. Yeah, that, phew, I don't get it's it. It's just
0: it's just easy that way because you I know guess. it's one of those situations where like if if they set it at eight, right? Then then you score eight runs and bam, you've hit it.
1: But if you said it at eight and a half, eight runs doesn't. Nine runs does. So why not just put nine instead of eight and a half? Let's round it up here, Vegas, and let's go to nine. I don't know. That's just how they operate. I don't know either. That's why we're here and not in Vegas. But anyway, besides the point, Astros-Braves tonight, World Series, Game 6, playing baseball in November, ladies and gentlemen. And thankfully, that Houston stadium has a roof, so it'll be closed for a cold one coming up in Houston tonight. And hopefully... The Atlanta bats don't go cold as they play the Astros, trying to end this series in Houston, in which they didn't want to do. Had a chance to win it, end it, I should say, in Game Five, did not. Now we play Game Six tonight.
0: Yeah, and, and frankly, the reason why the Braves are ahead in this series right now has been good pitching. You know, in their in their three wins so far in this, they've allowed they allowed two runs to the Astros in Game One, which they won. They allowed two runs to the Braves, or excuse me, they allowed no runs in game three, which put the series to two to one. They allowed two runs in game fu- in Game four, which gave them a 3-1 lead. But they allowed nine runs in game five. So, you know, it, it's one of those things, and it's a pretty obvious statement, but, you know, you don't allow runs, you win the game. But with this this team, this Braves team, their bats are good enough that you, you can... Say, you know, we're gonna get we're gonna get four runs or three runs. You know, so if you can hold a team to two or less or three or less, you're gonna give your team a really good shot to win the game. Now it's a tough it's a tough ask. I understand. The Astros have a ton of great bats on that side, you know, with with Bregman and Correa and Altuve and Springer. Nope, not Springer, Brantley. So I understand where where the that doesn't, you know, it seems like a ridiculous statement to say. But if you've, in holding this Astros team to less than three runs, you're 3-0 and in this series. So if the pitching goes out, if Max Fried goes out, does his job, goes six full, allows maybe one run, and gives the bullpen a chance to shut the door on the 7th, 8th, and ninth, the, the, the the Braves have a really good chance to win a World Series. If they don't, this Astros team, if Free doesn't come out there with his best stuff, he can get shelled early by how great of a of a batting lineup this Astros team has. I don't, I don't really know who I would pick to win this ball game, but you know, if I if I had to, you know, if the fate of the universe was on the line, frankly, I think the Astros will win this ball game.
1: Yeah, the better team overall. I think they're less tired than the Braves pitching staff, and I made mention of this. I believe the Astros will win this, but. If the Braves want to win tonight, Max Freed has got to go six, at least. He has got to eat quality innings for the Braves because the past two games, in Game 4 and Game 5, they've had to use a lot, and I mean a lot, of their bullpen. And it cost them in Game 5. I think A.J. Minter is tired. He didn't say so in his post-game presser. Look, you've been pitching since March in spring training. Been pitching in many, many games, as a reliever, you pitch, say, on average 50, if you're a good reliever, 60 games in a regular season, and you add on another 10 to 15 of that in a postseason, because, you know, bullpen arms are very, very vital in any World Series run. You're tired, okay? Your mind may say, no, I'm not tired, but your body is saying, dude, stop. Yeah. Like, just stop it. Give me some help. Get some help. Don't call me out of the bullpen, or is it arm barn now? You see that whole thing with PETA and their situation. They want to change the bullpen to arm barn. Oh, I did not. No, yeah, well, I didn't just see avoid that. it. It's but I don't, know, uh, I don't want to talk about it. You know, if
0: it. if this doesn't perfectly describe this series, I don't know what does. Shoot. So if you take a look at at the at the performances in terms of like money line and stuff, run line stuff like that, right? Overall, this season, of course, the Braves eighty eight and seventy three, the Astros ninety five and sixty seven. Right. That's everybody, you know, those were their records. Obviously. As an underdog, the Braves are thirty nine and sixteen this season. As a favorite, the Astros are sixty eight and seventy
1: seven. Ooh. Intrigue. Braves some intrigue the Braves there. have
0: been very, very good as an underdog team this season. Haven't been the underdog very often this season. But in this well, series, and frankly, this entire playoff run, they have
1: been the underdog. Well, yeah, because they're an 88-win team. They won based off the fact that the NL East was one of the worst divisions in all of baseball, right next to the NL Central and the AL Central. Though the, well, though, I will say the Sox did get 90 over 90 wins, and so did the Braves, or the Braves, the Brewers and the Cardinals. The Cardinals got 90 wins, and I believe the Brewers got either 94 96. But anyway, they came in with a record of 88-74. and 74. I, I can't do that. I think enough. 88 and 73. They only played and 161
0: games. 88
1: and 73. Okay. you think an 88 win team would be bounced in the first round, whoever they were playing. But they defeat the Brewers in four in the division series. Then they defeat the 107, I believe, winners in the Los Angeles Dodgers in six. And now they're going up a team that has won 95 games in the regular season, have been to multiple World Series over the past five years being there in two thousand seventeen and nineteen, lose or winning in seventeen, you know, behind their MVP in the trash can and then losing in nineteen because, you know, baseball deserved the justice. But anyway, they've been an underdog throughout the season, and they love that. That record just signifies the fact that they love being the underdog. And to think, this is also all being done without two of their best players. Mm-hmm. There's top pitcher in Mike Soroka who Unfortunately, he can't walk two steps without tearing his ACL, which nothing, or an ACL, Achilles, excuse me, was nothing but the best for that guy. And a generational talent, I believe, in Ronald Acuna Jr. They're doing all this without those guys. And that's part of what makes this
0: series so important for the Braves, in my eyes. You know, because this is something that if you, if you squander this. Mm hmm if you let the Astros come back and win this World Series, that's all you're going to hear for the rest of eternity. You know, is... Well, the Astros, or, well, the Braves would have won this series if Acuna was healthy. You had a chance to win it when he wasn't healthy. You're up 3-1. to one. Don't let that be the excuse that comes rolling around. The excuse will be it's a City of Atlanta franchise. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's, that's absolutely a correct statement. That's just sort of what Atlanta has become synonymous with, synonymous with is choking big leads, and hopefully they can they can right the ship. You know, for for all the guys that, that came before, you know, for you know get let's get back to that what we saw from the Atlanta Braves back when you know that that great pitching staff of Smoltz and Maddox and, and Glavin, they only Glavin, and, and they
1: had a dynasty, dude. And Chipper, the and only Andrew
0: Jones, and, they only
1: won World Series though. They only won Yep. They're the, they were the 90s version of the Cubs of this year, or of this decade, I should say. And it's
0: funny that this is what's going on with the Atlanta Braves, because, like, last year, I remember last season, a lot of talk was surrounding the Atlanta Braves. There was a ton of talk last year, the year before, about the Braves being a, a World Series contender. Not a lot of that this season with what we saw, but, you know, they sort of Michael Jordan. I took that personally. And well, yeah, put they put sh- themselves in a position to... Win a World Series for the first time in 26 years, but this seems like the kind of game that it just—it just feels like there's more writing on this for the Braves. There's a there's more pressure on the Braves right now than the Astros, even though the Astros are the ones down in this
1: series. Right, and uh, listening to Brian Snicker the other day, actually, yet today, he talked about how he doesn't feel like there's any pressure on the guys, and I. I, I'd have to disagree with that because you just brought it up. The fact that they are one win away from a World Series and a series in which, you know, they should have won in Game 5. And to some extent, yeah, they're playing with house money because, like you said, they are the underdog. But there's too much riding on this to lose it. There really is. I, I want Snicker to win just in general because he is a great manager. And a great guy. And his journey has been fantastic to look at. If you're getting a chance look up how Brian Snicker got to the major leagues and then got sent back down to the minor leagues and just continued to stay at it. Right. It's incredible. And also, same thing for the Astros. They have a manager as well who has been in this game for a long time in Dusty Baker. You know, folks around here like to call him Papa Baker because he's in his 70s and he's been, he's been a winning manager throughout his career. He has just never won that big one. But before game six, these are right here in this cut. Here are the two managers talking about how their teams feel coming in to this pivotal game six. The pressure was getting here. We're in the World Series right now. There's no pressure. I mean, um, like I say, it's pressure in the NLCS when you're trying to get here. We all want to finish this off, but there's no pressure. I mean, we're Are you sure about that, Brian Snicker? Because you I think you should have won this in three to one. And, thank, and this also can play a part of it, but if you looked at it back, say, October the 2nd, the Braves should have been here. But anyway, continue, Mr. Bryan. One of two teams remaining in our sport, and there, there's no, you know, I don't know that these guys have, I, I've sensed any kind of pressure out of these guys internally. Um, you know, the only, the only time I hear about that is in this room. Because in that room in there, I don't ever feel it. And obviously, as a manager, you you don't want to ask, hey, are you guys nervous about tonight's game? Are you guys nervous that, you know, you should have won in Game 5 and you kind of lost in Game 6? Obviously, you're not going to sense that, but you can kind of tell in just how a player's mood is. You know, when you're up 3-1, you're like, you're loose, you're at home. You think, you know, let's just play the game we played for the past two days and we're going to be champions. Well, now that you're back in Houston, you think they have the same mood? I don't think so. What do you think, Logan?
0: I don't know. I agree with you. I mean, this is a, you know, and that's sort of just coach speak, you know, for the most part, what what he's going at there. You know, you don't want to say anything controversial or something that could be misconstrued. So it's always, you know, this typical coach speak, this really generic statement that they're, that they pour out of their mouths that, you know, tries to sort of get the pressure off of him. Like, oh, I answered the question. I was like, yeah, you've answered 10 questions in 10 different ways that they mean the exact that same thing. We still have And so I I agree with you that this is a situation, you know, he he's going to sit there and say that they're not panicking and they're not this, they're not that, but there is definitely some of that. And then
1: on the other end you have Papa Baker here, Dusty Baker talking about how the Astros obviously need to force a game 7.
0: They know that we still have work to do. And, you know, like when we,
1: I mean, you want to go up there, you want to win three
0: and win there. And, and then, you know, when it didn't happen in game one and then in game two, you're behind the eight ball. Then you change your rally cry to, we just want to get back to the H-Town. You know, we want to go back home. And then now our whole thing is win game, game one, which is game six, and then put us in a position to win game seven. And that's the right approach. Exactly. You take it. You take it one at a time, especially in the situation that the that the Astros are in right now. Where all it is is one game. You know, you take it one game at a time because one game is all it takes for you to have lost the World Series again, for the second time in three years. To avoid that, you don't look ahead towards. Well, if we win tonight, you know, what are we going to do for Game Seven? Don't worry about Game Seven. Worry about Game Six. And the Braves should be doing the same thing. But that's a tougher ask, in my eyes, when you're ahead in the series. That's a tough ask when you're up three games to two. You can say, okay, well, if we lose tonight, if we lose tonight, we still have a game seven. Versus the Astros, well, it's like, there is no game seven. There is no tomorrow. We look to right now. This game, game six, we have to focus on what we have in front of us right now. The Braves... Can look ahead a little bit, and that can cause them to maybe get a little distracted, maybe get a little bit relaxed. I guess you could say when relaxation is not something that should be in the cards right now. You know, yeah, it can. I I feel like the taking it one game at a time approach is the right method for what where both of these teams are, but specifically the Astros. So for Dusty Baker to be saying that, I think is perfect, but. And that's a that's a tough thing to do if you're Atlanta because you're up in the series. You know, okay, if we lose Game 6, we still got a Game 7, plus it is Atlanta. And that thought is going to creep into your head. And I said this yesterday. That thought is going to encroach into your brain of all of these instances of this happening in the past throughout Atlanta sports history. You know, the most
1: recent, of course, being, being the Super Bowl. So, well... Last year, whenever they lost three to one, I guess the that's Dodgers. true. Yeah, that's the, the most Dodgers, Yeah, that's true. But the most I, significant has to be twenty eight to three with yeah, Atlanta. Yeah,
0: and, and I I completely forgot about an instance where it happened to the Braves themselves just last season. You know, in, in that that thought, maybe even more than the Super Bowl creeps into your head because you were on most of well, yeah, these guys the Braves, were a part yeah. of that. You know, and and they were there and they saw this happen and they can see the writing on the wall of like, oh my God, is it, is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen again? And that, you know, some nervousness starts to starts to creep in a little bit. So, yeah, it's uh, I feel like there is just so much more pressure on the Braves right now than the Astros. And with that, you can play a little bit more free in the way you approach the game. And
1: that, that only helps the Astros in this situation. And of course, also, they're playing at home tonight. Six, or six, excuse me. Game six, coming up at 7.09 p.m., Max Fried against Luis Garcia. I love postseason baseball. I really do. I'm not a fan of it being played in November, but, you know, that is what it is. And maybe that'll all get sorted out in the new CBA that's going to be hopefully agreed upon before, you know, the 2022 season starts or else we're going to have another 1994 situation where everybody gets locked out, Be gets told to go home and just, they don't play baseball. And we can't have that. We love baseball. We love baseball. Baseball, good. Switching back here also to some, yeah, the, the finger. you know Baseball. Baseball. We love the baseball. Baseball has been very, very good to me. Very, very good, yes. You know what's also very good? Getting Melvin Ingram on your team. That was just announced a couple hours ago uh, by a couple of ESPN reporters. Chiefs give up a six-round pick for him. And, you know, Logan, the defense needs help, but, I mean, does the defense? Well, yeah, obviously the defense needs a lot of work. I think starting off, you have to put Dan Sorensen into room, lock the room, and then throw away the key. But anyway, there's a lot wrong with the Chiefs. Do you think Melvin Ingram on the defensive side helps it at least a little bit? I think so. I mean, it's something that, you know, I'm not really sure how
0: this is going to go. You know, Melvin Ingram has shown flashes. You know, he did have, he had a stretch, you know, that five-year span where he's got 10.5 sacks, 8 sacks, 10.5, 7, and 7. But in the last two seasons, you know, he played seven games last year for the Chargers. And he didn't have a single sack. In six games with the Steelers this year, he's only got one. So in his last 13 games over two seasons, he's only got one sack. But I think what this allows the Chiefs to do is you can put Melvin Ingram on the edge with, with Frank Clark on the other side, and that allows you to move Chris Jones back inside, which I think is a big deal. You allow Chris Jones to get back to defensive tackle where he has performed very, very well the last couple of seasons and so you, you put him back in a situation where he's possibly more comfortable and definitely where he's more productive. And, and that allows you to, to get more pressure on the quarterback. Because I don't think that's something that, that people are talking about enough is the Chiefs are dead last in the NFL on sacks. The Chiefs only had two sacks on Daniel Jones last night and they were on the last drive of the game. Where Chris Jones sacked Daniel Jones on first down and Frank Clark got him on third down or fourth down, sorry. So, you know, you went 59 minutes of this football game without a sack at all. And then in the last minute of the game, you get two. So to have Melvin Ingram there, even if he's not the pass rusher that we've seen in years past, he's still a guy that you have to account for, and that's going to set up one-on-ones for Chris Jones and for Frank Clark. It's going to limit the double teams for other guys, you know, for Wharton or for Derek Nottie or Colin Saunders. It's gonna, It's going to allow these guys to get one-on-one with a guard or a center or a right, whatever the situation calls for, it's going to give you more freedom to get to the quarterback with other guys. And if they don't, then maybe Melvin Ingram can can get back to the level that we saw from him maybe two or three seasons ago where he's getting seven to eight to ten sacks a season. Um, You know, it's going to be—I think it's going to help. And the fact that you only gave up a sixth-round pick for it, which, you know, I say sixth-round pick. Trey Smith was the chief sixth-round pick this season who has started every single snap at right guard for the Chiefs so far this year and been very good at times. So, yeah, you give up, you gave up a draft pick for it, but it's a late pick. It's a sixth-round pick. It's a day-three pick, you know, so you're not really beating yourself up too much about it. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing turns out, but looking at it on paper, it looks like it should help the Chiefs out in terms of rushing the passer, whether that's from Melvin Ingram himself or him opening up one-on-one opportunities for the other
1: guys on that defensive line. Excuse me. I probably should know the fact that when my mic is on or off or whatever, but I'm still dealing, like I said, with a stupid head cold. I'm so tired of it. Uh, this congestion. I feel like I'm going to hack up. Actually, I shouldn't even say anything about that. But, yeah, I mean, it can't hurt the Chiefs, and you're only giving up a six-round pick for them, though you should have signed him in free agency. So, it is what it is, and I hope it helps out the defense, and... Who knows? Maybe it's the shot in the arm the Kansas City Chiefs need because now they're playing 500 football. They're 4-4. Four and four, Like we alluded to earlier, they only beat the Giants. It's still a win, but they only beat the Giants 20-17 to and Arrowhead. Mm. So, we shall wait and see how much of an impact he has on the Chiefs overall and, of course, that Chiefs defense. Dude. I'm going to lose it, dude. I'm serious. I'm so sick of this congestion and head cold can it go back to 60 and sunny I'm so sick of seeing 45 and clouds I'm sorry man but I disagree with you well you don't like 60 degree weather I man
0: of course I do but it's November yeah I know it's supposed to be 40 degrees uh maybe 50 you know I I can accept 40s in like December here's what here's what I've realized in living down here the people of Springfield are spoiled when it comes to their weather I Went to college, of course, as I mentioned, probably 100-plus times at Northwest Missouri State, up in Northwest Missouri, you know, in Maryville, 40 minutes from the Iowa-Missouri border. It gets
1: pretty cold up there,
0: I'm It sure. gets pretty cold. There were times where, like, you know, I'd be texting my fiance, and, and she'd be like, oh, it's so cold or whatever. She was outside. She worked at, the, like, the YMCA for a while, and she was, you know, out there with latchkey kids and things like that, you know. So she's out there, she's like, Oh, it's so cold. And I was like, Yeah, I bet. And she goes, you know, it's it's fifty degrees down here. Eh,
1: that's not cold to me. And I'd be like, It's nine degrees
0: up here and snowing. I don't want to hear it. You know, it's one of those situations where it's like, it's if it's forty five down here, it's probably like thirty. You know, up up in like where my parents live and probably twenty five degrees up where I went to college. So like, you know, this is I'm like comfortable. In the in the weather that we're in right now, I can I, I'm not going to freeze to death or anything like that. Which it's funny because it's actually colder here in Springfield than it is up in Maryville where I went to college. What's right the temperature now, right
1: now? 43,
0: according to the Weather Channel.
1: See, I'm fine with that. Like compared to you know, like you said, 20s and 30s. But you know, I, 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 can I can I get another can I get another month here before I, we get to the 40s? Because I hope by it's then, supposed my, to be in the 40s uh, in November.
0: When you get to December. That's where you hit the the below freezings and that's when you hit
1: you know the snow and the ice uh a little bit of sleet it's so it's so crazy how much you've snow and sleet when you grow up of course whenever you are you're just like oh yeah snow sleet ice snow school yeah I get to stay at home now as an adult you're thinking oh insert four letter word I have to go to work in this insert another four letter word oh bleep traffic on 65 is gonna be a nightmare yeah. Yep. Yep. It is. It will be. And of course, that means you'd have to leave earlier, which means you have to speed up your routine, which means you know you feel late even though you're early. And then, yeah. yeah. Thankfully, I have an all four wheel drive on my 2006 On Boy. That'll Same. be. Same. That'll be in good use. Whenever.
0: Four wheel drive, traction control. Yes.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Might have to splurge on some snow tires as well, just to be sure. But mm. you never know. I heard that from the Farmers Almanac we're supposed to have a pretty bad winter, but they said that last year and it wasn't that bad. That's true. I mean, it got cold. I pre- remember back in February, it was like negative fourteen. But I mean, like you said, on the onset, you can prepare for that kind of stuff. You can layer up, right? You can't do it when it's a hard fourteen out, you know. <laughs> like you can't go shirtless, can't go clothless, because you know that's you know indecent exposure. You're gonna get arrested for Bingo. it. Bingo. So much for cold over hot. All right, I prefer we kind of end this podcast, even though it's been somewhat of a short one. Anytime we're under an hour, I feel like it's short in my opinion, but we've had a lot of good content here. Yeah, and there I
0: mean, you know, NFL season and and the MLBs winding down, you know, we're in the middle of, like, regular season NBA, but, you know, nobody's, we're not even at, like, double-digit games played with these franchises. There's not a whole lot going on in terms of that, but, you know, I kind of figured there would be more news surrounding the NFL today, considering today is the trade deadline. I
1: feel like the second we stop and record... Bam, 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 bam. Yeah, that's Adam Schefter is just going to start. He is. He's going to start dropping right, bombs. I mean, yeah. it, it, we're it's about eleven fifty right now,
0: so you know we're going to get done with this with this podcast, and around noon things are going to get wild. Yeah. All these NFL GMs on their lunch break are just going to start calling each other. Patrick and making Mahomes traded to the
1: Cowboys for
0: Dak Prescott. What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying we're going to get trades like that. How about just this? News like that. How about
0: this? I'll make you a deal. You ready? Dan Sorensen. Okay. For digs,
1: Deal? And with that, that concludes <laughs> the Tuesday edition of the Rookie Sports oh. Report podcast. Matthew Rizzo alongside. Logan Weber, don't forget to check out tonight, 7 o'clock,
0: college football playoff. First top 25 rankings come out tonight. Ooh,
1: Where's Iowa going to be in that? Probably not in it, because we <laughs> suck. You, you've lost two games, you guys, partially. They were 6-0. <laughs> Ranked second in the country. And Four. then lost to two unranked teams. Including friggin' Purdue, yeah. again. Yeah, thanks to that potent offense you guys have over there. In- potent. <laughs> Jesus. Scored
0: 14 points in the last 120 minutes of college football <laughs> action. It's an absolute atrocity. And they have Iowa as a 10-point favorite over Northwestern
1: on uh, Saturday. Uh-oh, i take the points.
0: Yeah, I saw a tweet that was like... <laughs> I saw somebody put a tweet. I was like, how is Northwestern going to score negative three points? <laughs> <laughs>
1: True. I would definitely bet that spread. I'd pick I'd pick Northwestern to cover if I could, but you know, we live in the great state of Missouri where it's illegal true. to do that. Drive
0: forty five minutes south and into Oklahoma. oh uh, yeah. Can do it. Hey, you're gonna be damn near close to that Oklahoma border next Friday or this upcoming Friday. That's true. Gonna be in Joplin calling the Joplin Nixa.
1: District semifinal game, Class 6, District 3. It's going to be a good one. We'll be like 15 to 20 miles apart, or actually not even like 5 to 10 miles apart because I'm going to be in Carthage doing right. Willard versus Carthage in their semifinal. final And uh, I know you're probably not going to, but I'm going to take a nice little stroll a little farther down, a little further southwest to the great state of Oklahoma and Kansas because that casino that stands there is like right on like that little trifecta area of Kansas, Oklahoma, and Missouri. Right. And perhaps spend a little money there maybe even make some money of course last know. of course I told you yesterday I made $400 out of 120 the other night on Friday so I took a win and hopefully well, it takes another win against Carthage though so it's going to be tough Carthage is 9 and 0 and probably the best team in Missouri but hey you win the games you lose the games on the field not on paper true one game playoff any team can win on any night that's the beauty of sports and this sports reporter's podcast for Tuesday has been beautiful as well. I know we just we just said our name, but once again, Matthew Rizzo alongside. Logan Weber. This has been the Tuesday edition of the Rookie Sports Report Podcast. Hey, don't let anyone tell you the odds about anything or anyone. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. It is more than okay to listen to Christmas music now. No, it is not. Bull,
0: stop.